journey into the visceral world of gongs and sound therapy with Paul Ford of Gong Walkabout. Paul, also a counsellor and a psychotherapist, shares the story behind how gongs came into his life and how he began to offer sound healing to the world. He explains the fascinating process of how gongs are made and how from the outset they are designed and crafted to create and evoke a response in people. Paul explains how the power of gongs and their sound lies in their ability to stop people and almost force them to be present in themselves and to be aware of what's going on inside at that moment. Paul is a deeply thoughtful and gentle man and I was very flattered that he came and shared the wealth of experience with me in this conversation. For the listener, you won't just learn about this truly mystical instrument, you will also be challenged to open up to the perception of sound as a healing tool, as well as be invited to become curious about delaying yourself to reveal your true, real, authentic self. So enjoy, Paul. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards. Gongs and sound therapy are where we're going to today with my guest, Paul Ford. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bryn. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, awesome. thank you. Um, we first met a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, at the Perth Trail Series where you were starting the race with an enormous gong. We did, yes, at the uh, Perth Trail Series. They do a uh, oh, Qigong race event yes. every year. Uh, I've been there hmm, three times now. Uh, yeah, and that's where we met. I took my uh, pasty 16-inch gong because they like to have something to start the race. And of course, to bring the people back in. So it's almost like when I'm playing, I'm calling them back in. Yeah, come back, come back. Yeah. But it's almost like as well, you know, there you go. And then it's almost like a celebration of that they've made it back. Mm. Uh, it's something I never considered doing before until I had the request from them. And in that moment I thought, no, nah, it's not really me, but yeah. me being me, I thought, why the hell not? Yeah. It's different and it's going to offer something different to me. And having experienced that crew now over time, it's, I meet a lot of people and I've made connections through there. Mm. Mm. But it, it's nice to be out there in the bush with the gong. Yeah, with these, you know, sometimes I look at these people and think, well, you're crazy. Yeah, <laughs> what are you doing all that running for on a Sunday morning? <laughs> but that's their thing, yeah. Indeed, indeed. Mm. And it was from that conversation, I was really keen to have you mm. on the podcast. So one of the questions I like to ask my guests right at the start, because it's called WA Real. Yes. And uh, you, like myself, originally from England, I am, from yes. the Midlands. Yes. Um, and you, like myself, came here in 2010. We did, yes. So, how did you end up in Western Australia? Okay, so I uh, began dating with a lady. Uh, two weeks into the relationship, we, we were having an Indian, you know, a meal, and she's like, oh, by the way, I'm going to Australia. I'm like, oh, are you? And for that moment I thought, you know, what am I doing here then? She says, you know what, if we work out, why don't you come with me? Uh, and I thought, well, how are we gonna do this? She says, well, look, you know, I've already started the process. Uh, 
if we work out, great, let's look at this a bit more. And of course, at the time I was working as a mechanic, uh, the mechanic was on the wanted list at the time, I think it still is. Uh, so about a year later, we says, okay, we're comfortable with each other, let's do this. So I uh, was assessed by, you know, TAFIA, they fly over to England. Uh, I did a day's, let's say, supervised, you know, examination, and I passed. So I was given the go-ahead to come to Australia if I wanted to. Uh, yep. So that was around 2008. 2010, we flew here uh, on a holiday visa, of all things. Uh, and I found a job within a week. He agreed to sponsor me as a mechanic. Uh, I then got the temporary visa. Within a year, I got the permanent visa. And here I am today. So last year I actually became an Aussie. Yeah. A little bit late, but better late than never. Yeah. Uh, so I have that freedom now to come and go as I want. So yeah, that's how I got to Australia. It's with the assistance of somebody else who, you know, unfortunately no, fig no longer figures in my life, but you know, I, I never wanted to come to Australia before. I was gonna say, what did you know about Western Even Australia? Even on holiday. You know, I had friends who went to Australia, came here and they're like, wow, it's great, it's amazing. And I'm like, no, I don't even want to go to Spain on holiday, never mind Australia. <laughs> and so I still think to this day, you know, why or how did I get here? Was it sort of some kind of destiny meant to be thing, you know? Uh, but I'm happy being here, but I'm also happy traveling as well. So I, I do go back to England maybe once a year, every two years. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily to see family, yeah. but more so for actually, you know, I have this connection with Gong and I like to go to England to meet people who play. I like to go to Germany. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm happy here. I consider it home, but hmm. whether, you know, I'll stay here or not, who knows? Who knows? Yes. So as well as your um, passion for playing, Gong, mm. which we'll come into in a minute. You're also a counselor and a psychotherapist. Yes. So, you know, and, and you use the gong in, in therapeutic events as well. Do, so yes. there's, there's quite a focus of you know, help and healing mm. in what you do. Where does that come from in Nepal? Story? You know, when I was 16, I used to sit and listen to people. And people used to come to me and they used to chat, 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 chat. This is what's going off for me. Mm. And I don't remember what I used to do at the time. Maybe I just sat and listened and that's what they needed or maybe I contributed something that was helpful. But at that age, at 16, I said to myself one day, you know, I want to talk to people. And I knew there was this profession as a counsellor at the time. And I decided then and that one day I would like to do that. Uh, then life being life took me on a roller coaster of different experiences and that got thrown into the background. Yep. And so it wasn't until I actually came to Australia that I actually came across this, you know, this advert in the paper, become a counsellor. And I thought, hmm, I'd forgotten about that. Right. I've just been reminded. <laughs> so my intuition says, you know, look into this, you know. So I did, I applied, I did, let me think, hmm. I did this online, semi-online, and you know, in Perth as well, a three-year course, and I, I gained myself a diploma. 
so yeah, I was excited about that, but I knew yeah. that was just an introduction to what I really wanted to do. Uh, so then I took that further and then I experienced five years of training in a particular form of psychotherapy, I would call it called Gestalt therapy. Yes. Which is, you know, an awareness-based therapy. So yeah, I recently graduated from that. Uh, and yeah, since then I've decided I'm gonna put myself out there now and see what happens. And so I'm working with people now. Uh, and so I'm combining the people work with also the gong work as well because they complement each other. Hmm. How so? Yeah. How so? So I look, at the, I look at it like this, you know, people, my interest is in how people organize themselves in life, you know, when they meet the world or when the world meets them, they meet people. When we meet people, my belief is that we're automatically making adjustments to ourselves, our presence, who we are, our availability mm. with each and every person we meet. And, and we, we, we become adaptive, I guess, into how we feel about what's happening, what's going off, what's being presented. So when I bring the gong in, it's almost like I'm working with that space between a person and the gong, how they approach that gong, how they play, or how they might play with me according to how they perceive their world or themselves in the moment. So it's almost like, hey, here's this instrument, here's our world, how's this person organizing themselves in that moment relative to how they believe about themselves, mm. maybe their competency, a belief of how they should be perhaps, what they should be doing. Uh, so when I work with this, I sort of encourage people to pay attention to how they are and how they can be rather than seeming to be. Yeah. Really so it's going for that authenticity, that authentic self, by paying mm. attention to how they are in a moment and not paying attention to what they should be, perhaps. Yes. Because there's a lot of this in the world, you know, this is how you should be, culture yeah. says you should be like this, professions say you should be like this. We do a lot of shooting on ourselves. Yes. So it's almost paying attention to, okay, let's have a look at this should. Does it really fit for me? Is it actually offering me anything apart from behaving how somebody else might want me to be? Yes. But not how I, you know, naturally am. Mm. Mm. And it's interesting when you consider that because the moment, the moment you consider that and the moment you reflect on it to be true or you've had an experience mm. of that, it then can almost open up this existential trapdoor of, well, who the bloody hell am I? You know, because yes, Maybe we've never truly known ourselves because we're always we've always been projecting, this. projecting, yeah. projecting, putting this out, putting that out, or yeah. responding to what comes yeah. in. And when we actually get a taste of who we are, who we've never known, shit, that can be scary. Yeah, who's this that stranger? That can be so wow. That's I in don't the house. actually <laughs> like this person who I, I've, I am, but I've never known. So naturally, I'm going to lean towards default to be this other person who I should be according to my world. Yeah, and who's I'm comfortable with and is controllable and predictable. Yeah, and because that offers us a sense of safety. But when we actually get in touch with, you know, me, hmm. it's almost like we go into that space of vulnerability. You know, oh yeah. my goodness, this is, this is unknown. I don't feel safe here with myself as I am, perhaps. I'm going to reach out and grab something and yes. yeah, quick grab a life raft. 
but it's, it's, it's going there in a sense of being supported to as well you know this is the work I bring in it's actually not making somebody go to that place it's encouraging a person to offer themselves with difference get a taste of that no if that fits and it feels nice then we can continue but if it's actually a little bit too much we can say hey that was good enough for today let's just hold that here yes yeah yeah so it's a an incremental step of it, an it's little steps uh, I hear some people talking about picking away at who we are yeah and I like that and you know, you hear people talking about peeling the onion away and sometimes peeling the onion away can be a little bit too quick which we're reaching at it and grabbing at it yeah. okay this is fresh this is raw but shit it's too much yeah uh, so we just have a little pick at something you know, peel it back have a look okay there's an opportunity there there's some there's something I can see where I can mm. go now I can go there and experience myself as that person yes I like it no it doesn't fit for me mm. and I put that out just put that back and acknowledge myself as today that was my availability my own agency yeah. my own capacity yeah and then another day we might go back there and have another look so this fits in with the gong play but it also fits in with the therapy I do as mm. in counseling you know it's an encouragement for people to offer themselves with difference now we can experiment with that difference it's going to be unfamiliar there's going to be a, maybe a sense of wow what the hell am I doing but yeah it's always paying attention to what's going on for the person in that moment mm. and holding that in regard yeah yeah when you say paying attention to that person in the moment mm. what what is it they're paying attention well as to? for myself now I'm sitting here I can feel my heart beating profusely Mm. Now, me sitting here with you, this is the first time I've done this. This is vulnerability for me because I'm usually a very reclusive person. I keep everything to myself, but deep down I want to be known. Mm. I want people to see Paul. I want people to know Paul for who he is. Yet I remain in the background in a sense of everybody else. You know, I'm, I'm happy staying in at home and doing my bit online or reading a book. Whereas I could be out there, or I could be here, which I am today, uh, in a sense of vulnerability. Let's see what happens, uh, and and somehow that fits in with how I've been in the past. How I've had to figure myself, organise myself in the past. Hmm. It's something that I'm bringing into now. Is it helpful or not? <laughs> mm. I'll only find out by being here with you today. Yeah, mm. because I found for myself recently checking in and being with myself has been almost like a very like physical emotional thing mm. because I've been so very busy in the yes in the head and the stories and the anxiety and the drive and yeah we can be very busy in the head and it's it's where we a lot of people default to but we're also very busy in the body mm. but it's easy to switch off from that yes I'm in my head, I'm thinking, thinking's good enough, thinking, you know, can take me places which actually can you know, take me away from actually experiencing myself as body. And it's easy to, you know, split, you know, we, we, we can be body, we can be mind, we can be spirit, we can be soul, but we're all one, you know, it's, yeah. it's all there as one, you know. But it's easy to say, I hate my body, well, you know, <laughs> it's you. Yeah. Your body is you. Yeah. You are hating yourself in that statement. Mm. You know, but where does that leave you? 
yeah, how far do you want to go with this? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, no, I think it's um, it's a valuable. Well, it's not valuable. It's a it's a necessary conversation to have with yourself because otherwise mm. you can, you know, by just entertaining what we've spoken yeah. about in and of itself, um, you realise that we live very inauthentic lives. We can do, and mm. for the majority, it's, yes. it's so easy to do that. Unconscious. Yes. Uh, I, you know, inauthentic. I, I don't like the word expert, but I, I, I could consider myself an expert on myself because I only yeah. know myself rather than another therapist who I might go for supervision with. But I could consider them an expert because then they can help me, support me somehow to experience myself mm. in a safe and supportive way uh, with empathy. But I only know me, and so as you say, this out of awareness, this you know, this unconscious behaviour experience. That's in a sense. That's when we're making those adjustments in our world to suit ourselves in the moment, uh, and it's developing awareness of how we do that. But makes the difference, I guess. Yeah, mm. I would say so. You know, I I could have bailed out of coming here today for for fear of you know, I might fuck up, <laughs> yeah. or I might not know what to talk about. about. Or I might, you know, I might just go quiet and... Mm. Yeah, or but any other awful eye situation. I, I've introduced the difference here by actually saying, okay, I'm going to gather up support and come here. Yeah. I'm glad you have. I'm, I'm actually happy to be here. Uh, I'm enjoying, you know, our experience here. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So the gongs. Yes. How did you first get into them? How did they first come into your life? Okay, uh, I've told this story before and I, I should say to him because I enjoy it. Uh, I, I lived in England at the time and I was quite a regular at Glastonbury Festival. Right. Uh, and I was there in 2004 and I was really high. Uh, and I was walking through you know, the festival site and I could hear this glorious sound. I didn't know what the hell it was. Uh, but it, it was compelling, it was drawing me mm. to find it. So I spent some time tracking it, I guess, as you could say. And I came across in an area called the Healing Fields, there's this guy with this huge gong, same size as the one you've seen me with at uh, Gong Dam. Uh, it's a 60 inch gong. Uh, and there's this German guy down. there, and uh, I could see he'd got people to lie down underneath in it, he would swing it back and forth and play it. And me being me, super curious, just sat there for ages. And it was a, a, a time in life where I was practicing a lot of meditation. So I thought, okay, I was going to tune in, as you might say. And yeah, I was there for hours. Yeah. <laughs> I could see people coming and going, and I'm sat there on the grass, you know, as you do, with your legs crossed, as, as you should. <laughs> and, uh, and I decided I need to experience this. Uh, so I approached him and he says, yes, 15 pounds. I'll put you underneath and you can experience my gong, what I do. And I'm like, bugger, I've got to go and find some cash. Yeah. So of course it's another hour back to the only ATM on the festival site. Gets there, comes back, he puts me underneath and uh, yeah, he plays this gong. And I'm like, oh my God. Uh, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes later, he sort of slides me out, picks me up and 
funnily enough, he thrashes my back with a whole heap of peacock feathers. Right. No, I'm not sure whether this was like a grounding exercise to bring me back, you know, like this is where you are in your body, come back, Paul, maybe. Uh, but I remember it feeling really nice at the time. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, in that moment, I, I knew I'd been impacted by the sound of this gong. Mm. What it, when you say it, impacted, you mean like physically? Well, physically, I, I remember myself just being this vibration, this, 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 well, it's almost like an amalgamation of different ones. I was vibrating. I know, I know there was the influence of drugs at the time, but this was something different I'd never experienced. Uh, so I stood up and I thanked the guy and I said, I'm going to have one of those one day. Right. Yeah. Just like that. Just like that. I walked away. Yeah. And nothing. I carried on with my life journey. Uh, Couple of years later, my younger sister Joanne, she been to a German market, and she she calls me bro all the time. She says, "Hey, bro, I brought you something. I think you'll like this. I don't know why I felt compelled to buy you." So she sat there with this, what's known as a singing bowl, uh, a brass one, and she says, "Look, I think you just hit it with a stick." So ding, you know, it's all oh, this is nice. She says, "I think you have to rub it as well." So I'm like rubbing this stick along, you know, the outer edge of this bowl, and it's. It's like, wow, this is beautiful. And what's uh, this thanks, you know? And, uh, I spent weeks practicing this. And then maybe six months later, I had a whole load of them. <laughs> I did this eBay frenzy at the time, because at the time you couldn't find good ones on eBay nowadays. No. Uh, so I had a whole collection of them. And uh, I thought I need something else with this. So I, I brought a gong. Uh, it was a Chinese one known as a wind gong. Uh, sort of it's reminiscent you know, of the sound of wind crashing, uh, blowing, and almost sometimes the sound of the sea, you know, waves. So I would spend time, you know, in, in the week just playing these instruments over and over and over. Uh, and my journey started by actually offering this as a kind of relaxation therapy to people in right. the community. So with the bowls and the Yeah, and I the would gong. actually... Uh, you got straight into offering it out Yeah, there. and it, I would go to these places like, uh, particularly it was like, uh, they were known as spiritist churches, you know. Uh, they contacted me uh, and I knew them through friends. So I would go to these places and people would actually come along, lie down on the floor, I'd play these bowls. I'd introduce the gong, uh, we'd introduce some silence for meditation, and yeah, it was wonderful. And mm. you know, it still is. It's, uh, and I went from there, from the community, out into traveling around England to different festivals and different events. Uh, I ended up in Wales, in the south of England. Yeah, it's, I got about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then it got close to the time where I sort of came towards moving towards Australia. Uh, and I just packed everything away. My focus was on mm. migrating here. Uh, so I came to Australia, everything was in boxes. Uh, and I'd left them in England and they didn't come across with, you know, all our possessions at the time. Yeah. So it wasn't like two years later and I'm noticing this trend in Perth where people are coming out and playing gongs and doing sound healing and I had this, you know, experience of feeling that 
you know, I could be doing this. I, I'm, I'm, there's something missing here for me. I'm not being out in the community. Mm. Uh, there's almost a sense of, I guess, envy that these people, you know, were popping right, up. Right. Yeah. I wasn't doing anything. Yes. Uh, and I felt bugger, so I had to pay to get all my stuff over here. Mm. Uh, and I started offering myself slowly in and around Perth, yes. Uh, it was a very slow introduction. But yeah, it, it made a difference to myself. Mm. Mm. So I, I did that answer your question really about how did yeah. I get in there? Yeah. So it's, it's been a slow, organic yes. thing. I'm not. Now, sometimes I could, I would say, be different and put myself out there more. Yeah. This is my experience at the moment. I'll have times where I'm happy to sit there and not be known, but I know if I'm not known, nobody will come to me or nobody will deal with me. Yes. I've had this experience this week, you know, uh, one of the things I do is I create gong mallets for people to play gongs with. Yes. Uh, and I'm sat there thinking, you know, why is nobody buying from me? And then I think, well, I'm not promoting myself as much as I could be. Mm. So of course, then I promoted myself on Facebook and in two days I've had four or five inquiries and yeah, people have brought mallets off me. So it's, it's impacting me in a way that unless you're known, nobody will come to you mm. or, you know. Unless you put something out there. Yes. Almost like the sound of the gong. Yes. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. So, um, Did you, in effect, teach yourself how to play? I did. Oh. I've come from a space of working intuitively. I've, I've always trusted what I feel is right. Uh, there are training organizations globally. There are individuals who will train you uh, and they'll guide you towards, you know, offering yourself, you know, with the inclusion of what they've taught you as, a, I guess, a starter as something to work with so you actually know sort of, you know, you're in, going in the right direction. Yes. Uh, at the time when I started, I, I didn't have the availability to partake in those trainings, you know, financially and my position at the time. Uh, so I continued playing, trusting what I felt was right and that's worked for me. And of course, when I meet other gong players now, you know, I see that we all have this, I don't know, we're all out there in different parts of the world, but somehow there's this connection. Mm. We find ourselves playing the same techniques at times, you know, we can be rolling our mallets on the gong in a particular way by ourselves and we've never seen that, you know, we've never watched anybody else do that, but I can go to Germany and see somebody else doing the same technique. And it makes me wonder, you know, where is this connection? Mm. You know, it, is, is there this link somewhere with people's intuition that's shared somehow, you know, on a spiritual level? Mm. You know, I don't know. Mm. But, you know, I've met people and say, you know, we've done the training, you haven't, but we see always in you. And I see, you know, myself in them. Mm. It's, it's an interesting phenomenon. It is. But there are, if you want to go and do the training, there's plenty of people out there, you know, including myself, you know, I, yeah. I, I can encourage people to start off in gong play and go from there, but there yeah. are schools out there and there are, even in Perth, there's organizations that will, you know, give you that encouragement. Mm. Mm. Um, 
tell me about because you, you gave me an insight when we first met give me an insight into the the actual manufacturing of the gong because mm. that's fascinating as well it is it's it's a each one is a work of art they're all handmade uh, with the inclusion of uh, this is a gong made by Paisley so I believe I could be incorrect but they actually use a machine just to form the rim there in their factory yeah whereas the guys who make these guns here Oaken uh, yeah they actually hand hammer it and right. I actually worked in the factory with so them to do that so they'll take a piece of flat metal yeah it basically it's a round disc yeah it's, it's made out of nickel silver it's right. majority of it's copper uh, it forms quite easily sometimes it needs a little bit of heat around the rim uh, but basically they take this round disc over a number of hours days and they'll form the gong to what it is mm. uh, and it's all done they have to spend maybe I think it's six years minimum to be considered a gong maker mm. you know competent to be able to tune a gong and be consistent with your tuning <coughs> yeah uh, tune them to well this one here is one of a, what's known as the planetary range uh, so there's gongs that are tuned to a particular note or close to or around and then there's gongs like the one you saw the microphony which is tuned to a particular sound but not to a, a definite tuning it sort of sits close to C sharp of course but it's not definitively on that tuning yeah. sort of they tune it around it because it's more expressive when they tune it like that but they're looking for a particular sound that evokes something in people mm. Mm. so that gong you saw is more considered a universal tuning but encompasses and in, involves and offers perhaps what you know the universe is so mm. there's this and then there's lots of different parts inside of it whereas something like this is tuned towards a on second octave so it's more like definite tuning and it offers more of a, a limited overtone structure but it's still a really nice sound mm. uh, so when the gong makers are under their tuition you know this is part of their journey to be able to consistently replicate that tuning mm. so yeah it's so even at the start in the manufacturing process mm. by using the words like you know, tuned to evoke something yes. in someone. The gongs are manufactured from their outset to evoke something yeah, in someone and cause some sort of physical impact or something of that nature. That's one way of looking at it. I mean, rather than them just viewing it as here's a gong that's got to be C sharp because it's going to be in the back of an orchestra to yes. do to do do do. Do you, know, right. do you see what I mean? There are gongs that used to be made, that tuned, you know, uh, uh, but these, the expression on them, as you say, as I would say, doesn't offer as much as something like uh, a symphonic gong, which isn't quite tuned to a specific note. Does, it, does this make mm. sense to you? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but they do make these gongs to evoke something in people, to encourage something. But what happens for people is it's an individual experience. Mm. I, I might play this and it might trigger something in me, a, an image or something, but for you it might encourage something different. Yeah. So they, they, they tread quite lightly on the definitive, uh, the description of what gongs can offer. This sort of, they offer a brief description of how the gong sounds and what it might do. But I think there's this understanding, but you know, we all have our own experience 
We mm. all respond to these gongs in difference. Uh, and I think that's the beauty of working with these instruments because you know when we work with groups or individuals, everybody has their own experience. Mm. Mm. As with music as a whole, you know, I can listen to something music and I can go into some kind of fantasy, you know, dream world where you might actually go into this maybe, I don't know, a little more hard-edged, you know, confident, aggressive slightly. I've got to go out there and do something. Uh, I think that's the beauty of music. It it, it offers something to us that's Mm. different. Yeah. What What is it about the gongs that is so moving and evocative? Is it just the sheer, I mean, on a physics level, is it the, the sheer sound waves that they I put out? I think so. I think it, it, I, I'm going to say think, I believe, okay, I'm going to use the word, I believe it's the vibration that occurs that's offered. Uh, of course, there's the sound, which can encourage us to think something wonderful, like the crashing ocean or the blowing wind or, you know, mm. something else. But then there's that unseen vibration that penetrates our body. Mm. And of course, you know, it's scientifically proven that our body vibrates, our organs vibrate at particular frequencies. And of course, when you introduce one vibration to another, there's a result. Yeah. Now we can, in a way, there's a word, what's it called, entrainment. I think that's yeah. used in the healing circles where we can align with something. So we can offer something, a vibration to ourselves and kind of align ourselves with the vibration of the gong. Uh, but then we take into the brain, you know, it's a very clever processing unit. So the brain picks up on this vibration and says, hey, this is what I'm receiving. I'm going to give something out. I'm going to output here mm. to what, you know, I would say I consider as appropriate. Mm. So does it, the brain then trigger, you know, a, a regenerative process, a restorative process, which we could call the healing, the therapeutic side, or does it just just triggers something that soothes us or encourages us to go to that nice place of, you know, comfort. Mm. I think it's different for everybody. You know, when we play gong, a lot of people have the intention, but it's, we're here for healing. Mm. I want to heal you. This is what I'm offering. And I don't doubt that that happens on some level, you know, the body, the brain responds and encourages growth somehow, you know, physiologically, you know, on a cellular level, as they say. Mm. And so that's the essence of sound therapy with yeah, gongs. Yeah, it's about the vibration we take into consideration, the sound, mm. but also the intention and the way I would say the practitioner, the therapist offers themselves. You know, I can strike a gong softly and that sound wave, that pressure wave emits out in a nice, gentle manner and is received by the body, you know, of another person and even ourselves. But if we punch in there quite firmly, then it's boom. You know, that's quite an aggressive, you know, emission there. But mm. sort of punches it away to, you know, another person's body. So the intention, you know, I would say of someone who's playing on in a therapeutic manner is one of gentleness and consideration for other people, mm. but also for themselves. Mm. Mm. An interesting when I when I when I came that day and you're playing because I don't know 
my first experience of gongs would have been at the start of films. Yes. The old rank. Ah, yes. You know, with the big mm. guy in the loincloth. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Um, yet, there you were with the mallets making all sorts of different noises. Yes. Gently hitting it, different places, dragging some mm. of the mallets <clears throat> around. And it just pulls me and mm -hmm. others in. You must find that wherever you take these. Yes, uh, people always give feedback, they do. People mm. come up and say, you know what, wow. Something happened for me there. I, you know, this gong, you know, affected me. Mm. You know, I, I want to share this with you. Do you know why? And uh, I, sometimes I can give a brief, you know, I don't know, introduction to what might be happening from. Yeah. But I say, you know, this is your experience and it's, it's personal for you. You know, I get people coming up saying I had a great experience there, but I've had people come up saying, wow, that was like being in a horror movie. I mm. actually feel quite shaky. Uh, so, you know, I check in with them, you know, what's happening for you right now? Does that remind you of something? Uh, because, you know, again, as in, you know, the people therapy, the past figures, you know, how we organize ourselves and how we receive even the sound of a gong. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there's something there which I like to bring in as well. I, I, I started out with gongs and I'm more of a, I'm going to help people relax. Yeah. But now it's grown to the, you know, the space of people have an awareness. They become aware of how they are. Yes. And some of them, some people have a sense of, okay, you know, I came here and I'd already had a, a pretty poor day. Some people don't know what's happening, so I consider myself capable as in assisting people just to explore that briefly and mm. say, you know, this is what's possibly happening, you know, tend to yourself with careness and self, you know, what we might call self-care, self-love. Yeah. Mm. It's almost as if it, the vibrations and the sound hold you. Yeah. And people describe feeling held. Some people, like yourself, describe mm. being drawn in physically. Some people tell me that they felt like they went out of their body and were floating above their body while the gong was being played. Well, uh, and some people just sit there and they watch me and they say, yeah, that was great, thanks. And, that's and I'm like, well, you know, there's their difference. Yeah. And I say, thank you. Yeah. yeah. I, I'd rather people be, you know, upfront with, you know, their experience, mm. you know than you know say oh yeah that was great mate whoa <laughs> and then just go home and yeah yeah <laughs> so you're offering um a number of different events nowadays aren't yes you? including up in Yanchep caves yes we're there on march the 7th uh we myself and suzanne from uh, perth sanctuary of sound uh we've been working together for some time i initially tutored her you know to help her explore her gong play in different ways and we decided we'd do an event together. Mm. Uh, so we did one last year. We hired out the Cabaret Cave in Yanchet National Park. Uh, and we, we had about 65 people there. Uh, and it was an amazing experience. But it was the first time I'd worked with someone in a collaboration. Yeah. And also the first time that I'd worked with so many people. How many normally would it be? Sort of five, ten, uh, twelve? Well, you know what? I, I've worked normally in my small group, up to 10 people. I've worked with slightly bigger groups, uh, maybe 30, 40. But with this, the difference here was that these people had come all the way out of Perth to this cave, each potentially looking for something. 
wanting to take something away. Mm. And I, you know, I had this confidence. Yeah, I know I can play my gongs. I know my gongs. Mm. But then we'd introduce some different aspects. You know, uh, we were going to sing. We sing. We did some singing this time. Some chanting. And I, I blew in a conch shell. You know, which is a huge shell, but blows like a, a bugle. Yeah. And of course, you know, in that moment when I went to start the event by blowing into this conch shell, I froze. And in my head, I said, put this down, Paul, you can't do this. And I looked around and I thought, fuck. And I just went for it. And of course, yeah. this, this shell sounded, didn't it? You know, like yeah. it was, the troops were moving. Uh, it all flowed after then. But because it was such a big event for me, yeah, there was mm. a lot of anxiety there. And this anxiety crept in prior to the event starting. Uh, but after that, when that, that shell sounded, mm. When you go into an event like that, do you have an idea of what you're going to do, or do you just almost like channel it through and work out what happens? We're, we're flexible on that. We sort of we're discussing at the moment the next one for March. We're going to offer some difference in there, so we tentatively have an idea of okay, let's just go into this in a different way. Let's offer ourselves, you know, in a different way to how we did before. So it offers people who've been before something different, mm. uh, but it also encourages us to different as well uh, so there's no set framework you know a b c d e yeah we we'll can do say this we can we'll start that. this but then okay if something feels good to do then we'll go there and do that mm. on the last one we said we'd give 10 minutes silence now in that 10 minutes silence it was okay for people to get up and go to the toilet if need be or just pay attention to themselves in that silence mm. And I found after five minutes, I was becoming restless. Right. But the 10 minutes was actually too much for myself. So I actually went and made contact with one of my gongs and started playing very gently to soothe myself. Right. Which I found really interesting. But, you know, I paid attention to myself in a moment. This is what we talk about paying attention. I knew I was becoming anxious and, you mm. know, I was okay with that. But I needed to soothe myself somehow. So I started playing the gongs again and I looked across to Suzanne and she's like, I thought we were giving 10 minutes. And I'm like, no, 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 no we're on, <laughs> we're on, we're on. <laughs> so we initially we did set some kind of timing, you know, timeline and that just went out the window completely. Yeah. Mm. But it still worked really great. Yeah. It's fascinating the idea of using sound as a therapy tool mm. because so many people would consider sound either a noise b music and music you know just gets pumped out yes and more and more it's getting manufactured also more and more we listen to mp3s which are like the thinnest layer of sound yes it's it's just enough that you hear it yes but not necessarily everything else that comes with it mm. and so it's almost probably noise is either an irritant or a commodity. And a weapon it, as well. In the oh, world. and a weapon, yes. 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 You know, you only have to look at, what was it, the, the, the Waco siege where they sat outside and played Barry Manilow over <laughs> and over and over and over and well, or, or something like that. I can imagine that being very powerful for some people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if it's Barry Manilow. Uh, and there's no, it was one song they played over and over yes. and over and over and over and over again. And it drove... Yeah, people mad. Mm. But um, yeah, it's also used as a weapon. Yes, unfortunately. 
Yes. Um, and and yeah, you also get um, you know crowds of young people are dispersed with high pitched noises which adults can't hear mm. and stuff like that. Yes. Um, so there's all those different uses of sound on a practical commodity nature, but to actually consider it as a healing. Mm. Yes, it's how it's applied. That's the difference. Mm. How the sound is applied, you know, how that vibration is offered to people. And of course, how we are in that moment, you know, as, as the therapist, the practitioner, by checking in with how I am, how do I feel today? You know, am I going to offer myself and the sound in a way that's actually supportive towards, you know, healing, mm. restorative, you know, it's a, there's a belief that the sound itself does the work and I can kind of align that, but also there's that paying attention to yourself, of course, I'm the one who's going to be applying the sound. So there's an important factor to pay attention to there. But mm. Yeah, with that gentleness, that, you know, and sometimes there's that difference of bringing in something that sort of, yeah, accentuates what we're doing as well. It sort of, it can trigger things, you know, in the brain that mm. encourages something. It just sound as a, as a device to unlock things. Yes. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of mystery surrounding gongs, but there's also a lot of scientific proven, you know, data. What's the mystery? The mystery, well, there's an esoteric belief, isn't there? There's yeah. That, you know, the gong can be considered, you know, this, I would say, a portal to an energy that exists somewhere in the universe. You know, with the planetary gongs, there's a lot of belief that, you know, when we're working with the moon, we're working with the moon. If we're working with the sun, we're working with the sun. Mars, Neptune, a lot of people have all these planetary gongs and of course mm. there's an astrological connection as well. So we're working with, you know, who we are when we were born. There's this alignment. Uh, right. So people actually have this, uh, there's this belief. Some people call it a fantasy, some people ridicule it. But, you know, I'm going to use Mars today to heal you. Or I'm going to use Mars today to encourage you to behave with difference. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. You know, there's this mystery, you know, does this actually really, is it truth, is it not? I don't know. No. But it, it, it adds some, and it adds meaning for people. Mm. Uh, a lot of people apply, you know, this is what I want to align with because it has meaning for me. I feel like I'm, yeah, I'm doing something, I'm achieving something for the world. Yes. Mm. I guess you kind of, at one level, have to come back to the whole... People are drawn to them. People keep coming back. People yes. feel people share their experience. Yes. So that can be enough. And it is enough. If a person's affected in a way that supports them to think, I feel different. Yeah. Even if that's different, agitated you know, great, or yes. restless or something. There's something there, isn't there? But we as therapists, you know, pay attention to, okay, I'm making a difference for this person. I'm, well, I'm assisting in encouraging a difference for this person by working with sound. Hmm. And it's something, you know, it, it's a phenomenon that's become very, very popular globally. The guys who make these gongs can't make them fast enough. Yes. They can't. Uh, I visited Germany last year in June, and at the time there was a thousand gong waiting list just for America. Now, America is their biggest customer. So Australia and Europe were, I don't know where they were in the waiting list, but yes. 
But yeah, this phenomenon of using gongs is, yeah, it's incredible. It's growing. I've had a lady ring me this morning. She says, how long will it take to get a gong? And I says, you could be waiting six to eight months, depending on the series of the gong. You might find one secondhand, but you will pay nearly new prices. She's like, what, really? I'm like, yeah, this is the trend. It's been happening for five years and it's not going to go away because you've only got so many men making gongs. Mm. But there's more and more people developing an awareness that they want to work with sound, gongs primarily, and with the inclusion of other instruments, mm. to make a difference in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Are there any other uses you can say? For, for gongs? Yeah. Uh, out of a therapeutic context, yes, there's that musical inclusion in a mm. symphonic orchestra, uh, experimentally in, yeah, I played these ooh, in quite diverse ways. Now, there was a gentleman in the 60s, uh, his name was Karl Stockhausen, a German man. Now, he had the same gong as I had, a 60 inch. The difference was he would hit it with different materials, plastic, wood, tubing, and he would have it all mic'd up and it would go through, a, you know, a mixer. And I think my understanding is that they would feed the signal back on itself somehow. So it created this very extraterrestrial squeaks, screams, scrapes, crashes, bangs. And occasionally you'd use a mallet on it yeah. to bring out that rich bass note. Uh, there's a lot of stuff on YouTube about him, Carl Stockhausen. Uh, it was very famous. Uh, it was a, he was a, a musician, he, uh, you know, he created music mm. and somehow he, he fell into using gongs. Uh, so my gong you saw was a result yeah. of him asking Paiste to make this series of gong. Yeah. Because he just wanted to sit there with uh, maybe two or three other men and beat the hell out of it in a very experimental way. Mm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Mm. So, um, what are the, if somebody was like listening to this and is drawn to God, mm -hmm. how, how would they go about getting into it, as it were? Getting into it, I think <laughs> if you're being affected by it, you're already into it, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. You know. And is this, is this something that, you know, jokingly, you need to be aware of, because the next thing you know, you could be big gone collections and all sorts. Expensive gone collection. Yeah, and get out of hand. Uh, I have owned at one point I had close to forty. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot there's a lot of gong and a lot of money, and I speak to people like the lady this morning. She says, you know, I'm thinking of buying this gong, and I says, yes, you're going to buy this gong, but I can pretty much guarantee you'll end up with a lot more because this is a trend that happens. People buy gongs, but then they hear one that sounds different, so they add that one in, then they hear another gong. And sooner or later, you've got this whole room full of fucking gongs. <laughs> and it's like, what am I going to do with all these? You know, I have a friend in England, he has a hundred. And that's quite a small amount compared to some people. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but even still, it's a hundred gongs. It's a hundred gongs. Yes. <laughs> and you just have to pick and choose the ones to play because you cannot play them all at the same time. No. <laughs> you know. Uh, so yeah, it, it happens. I've been there. I've got 
three gongs right now. Yeah. And I've gone from having nearly 40 to three. And having three, at times I think, I need something else. And I feel that urge to go out and buy another one. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to Germany later this year in September back to the gong factories and I know I will come back with something. Yes. I always do. Uh, so it's easy to buy these gongs. Uh, but I like the three I have because if I stick to this playing this small amount, I get to know them more over mm. time. I get to know how they'll respond to me, which is important because people say, well, how do you know when you're a good gong player? And I always say, when you know you're gong, how it will respond to you and how you know, you're trying to elicit, extract these sounds from it, how you know to do that by going to the right place with mm. the right pressure from the mallet or combining mallet strokes or maybe muting or dampening the gong. So I say to people, you could consider yourself a good gong player when you know your gong and how it works with you. It's like a relationship, you know, with myself and you here. You develop a relationship with your gongs, each and every one of them, because each one will offer something different. It's mm. like a different member of a family. And when you get to know them, you know them. Yeah. So that yeah, people do end up with collections of gongs. Mm. And it's great, you know, it, yeah, wow, look at me, in a sense. Yes. Uh, and people want to offer the best. Mm. Mm. So it, it, it's a trend I see, you know, gongs, People, people bells, get drawn to it. Bowls, yes. Yeah, and then they got... People are singing into, into gongs, people are singing with them, they're playing, you know, harmonians. There's this inclusion of so many instruments and we have two hands. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I might sound a little bit critical there, but I say to people, you've got all these instruments, are you an octopus? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Unless you can start playing with your feet as well. You know what, I'd like to see that. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. Um, I remember when we, we talked as well, you said that you live in an apartment block. Yes, I do. How does everybody else respond? <coughs> I the... live on the, second, uh, the first floor. So there's uh, a gentleman below me, there's a lady next to me, and there's uh, a, a gentleman on the other side. Uh, and I've always told them, look, I play gong. You might hear something, you might feel something. Please let me know if it disrupts you. Yeah. And they say, okay. So I played and people say, oh, we can hear this really nice sound. I say, is it interrupting your space? And they say, no, because of how it sounds. And I've taken my big one up into the, you know, the apartment at times, you know, I've rolled it up two sets of stairs. <clears throat> And I played that and they're like, yeah, Paul, we really felt that, you know, you might just want to dampen that down a little bit. I get excited when I play that one, you know, because, yeah. you know, there's a lot to explore. And of course, you know, the bass note on it is, you know, very low and travels a long way, you know, it, so it, it travels through everybody's apartment. Mm. <laughs> uh, but where I am now in this apartment, people are okay, you know, we can't really complain about what you do. We hear you sometimes, we definitely feel the gongs, however, it's not disrupting, and in mm. a sense, we enjoy it. That's the feedback I've had. Yeah. Ideally, I'd like a block out in the bush, 
where I can get them Gone all up. to your heart. Yes, and, I, I, and, you know, and I'd like to be able to take the big one up, you know, to maybe midway, you know, on yeah. the volume scale at times. But that's never going to happen in my apartment. Yes. <laughs> Whereas outside you can... Yes. I mean, it you heard it at the Wongong Dam, you know, at the trail race, you know. Yeah. Even then that was... It wasn't really loud. Right. Yeah, it, it has a potential to go more, but I don't really like to in a short space of time. Yes, oh, yeah. it's the general. So with the big gongs, it's almost like a, working slowly to elicit the full sound spectrum, but when you do so slowly, it offers itself more naturally rather than you working quickly and almost in a way trying to force it out. Oh, trying to hurry it up. Yes, there. so at the races, it's kind of a rush thing, you know, when I was setting people off on the race mm. and bringing them back, it was kind of, I was just building up really quickly, but in that building up quickly, you're missing, most of the sound there mm. yeah you're building up to a crescendo quite quickly different bits along the way yes yeah mm. Mm. so what are some of the sounds you've got in here mm. what are some of the sort of elemental sounds that you do make by elemental what do are you there mean? elemental movement strokes things that you do like i said yeah be before i had the conversation with you a couple of weeks ago mm. my view of gongs was that dude at the start of a film and yeah just and the dude at the start of the film was actually hitting a fiberglass gong uh, it yeah. was never a real gong uh, but yeah you know a lot of people come up to me and they say you know can I bash the gong that's all they know about yeah. the gong I say no you can't bash the gong <laughs> you certainly can't bash my gong you can come and meet the gong and I can introduce you to it in a gentle way but there is no way on earth you're going to bash my gong unless you want to buy it afterwards yeah. Uh, so there is this belief that you just walk up to a gong and bash it. Now you know we're not calling dinner here out in the Aussie bush. Or, you know we're trying to you know encourage something gentle and wonderful out of the gong. Mm. Uh, and even kids come up and they want to hit the gong. Uh, so you know it's going in with gentle strokes and movements. Some people like to create sequences from left to right, top to mm. bottom. Uh, and then there's, you know, you see the friction mallet here, which is all about friction. So it's dragging something across the face of the gong hmm. to bring out something very different to what, you know, a normal mallet like this would. Yeah. So in a sense, with a mallet, it's almost like you're gently punching hmm. out a sound, whereas yeah. the friction mallet... You which know, is like a hard ball on the other Yeah, it's, it's a special silicon. You just drag it along really gently and slowly, and uh, it brings out the most amazing sounds. Uh, so there's different ways. Uh, people use the hands, the fingers. Right. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of mallets out there. They all mm. pretty much do the same thing. So one aspect of playing gongs is tapping into your creativity, what I call rhythmicity. So we have our own rhythm. Yes. You know, our own heartbeat, our own way. We want to express ourselves. Now, if we can tap into that, and bring it out into our gong play, then we're offering ourselves out into the world, but we're also exploring the gong and bringing the gong into whatever we do mm. with greater meaning. Mm. Mm. And that natural rhythm inside of us goes back to what we were talking about at the start, I imagine, mm. in terms of our own authentic Yeah, it's, signature. it's who we are. I, I encourage people to dance when they play the gong. Now, by dance, I mean just Gently, you know, let's get those hips moving. I'm not about throwing their hands in the air. If you want to do that, great. But it's just becoming flexible in our movement because when we become flexible, 
we can actually, you know, go in there. Yeah. And we can make contact with that gong in a more of a dance with it rather than being mm. stiff and rigid because when we're stiff and rigid, we lack that expressivity. We're not going to be able to express ourselves on a physical level because we're tight, maybe. So when we get people moving from the hip, from the waist, mm. on the shoulders, we're loosening up. And so we can actually go in there and, you know, there's that greater creativity with our mallets, you know. And of course, it brings out something different in the gong as well, you know. Mm. We show up in our authenticity as best as we can or as best as we can allow ourselves to because, you know, when we're in public events, there's that sense of vulnerability. So over time, you know, it's a slow progressive journey to becoming that very expressive person and feeling comfortable about that. But that's when the real sense of, you know, presence is demonstrated by yeah. the sound of the gong. Yes. Mm. What have you learned about yourself through gong play? <laughs> through the gong play, I would say... And this journey. This journey. <clears throat> wow. That's a big question to ask, but one thing I've learned is that, and one thing I've noticed over the years is like, when I'm with people, as such as yourself here, there's this boundary between us, which I can modify, you know. Yeah. I can actually allow myself, you know, reach out to you and allow you into my personal space. But with the gong, you know, there's a different process there. And I actually, mm. you know, I can choose how much of, you know, that gong I can allow into my spouse, whereas you could impinge on me in a social setting and say, hey, I'm going to come into your boundary, whether you like it or not. The thing with the gong is, as I actually can interrupt that, I can actually decide how much of that gong I want to let into my personal space. That's something... By playing it? Yes. Mm. You know, I, 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 I can allow the gong to affect me, and then when I get to the point of, okay, something's happening here, stop, yeah. put the mallet down. Whereas if I'm relating with you in a social setting or perhaps here and I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm feeling anxious, or if in fact I'm feeling manipulated, I'm in a sense, unless I'm very confident, I'm going to have to try and support myself to experience you in that kind of thing. Mm. Did this answer your question? Mm. It's Does it, I suppose <coughs> it works the other way around as well, where um, I can retreat from your personal yeah. space. But if we, if I come to, let's say, the caves in Yanchat, mm. pardon me, the the signal that you're putting out, mm. um, well, doesn't matter whether you're close to me or not close yeah. to me. It's just going to come in and do what it does. Yes. So there's a certain power and presence behind mm. it. And also too, there's the the sense of community in these in mm. people who play gongs. Uh, there is a huge community out there in the world, you know, local in Perth, but out there globally, which is, they're all slowly coming together and it's nice to feel included in this community, uh, which has its own culture. Uh, and I meet some wonderful people through the gong and that's something I've really enjoyed. But maybe if I hadn't introduced, you know, been introduced to the gong, I still might be that more of a recluse and not going out into, you know, the world. Mm. But because of this, I'm traveling to Germany maybe every two years, every year to meet people, new people, experienced people. Mm. Or I might go to America. I went to Argentina two years ago to meet a gong maker. Uh, that's something I would never have considered doing. Mm. But because he's part of this community. Unlock the world. Too. I'm going, hey, I want to meet you. 
the three days in Argentina was probably very scary for me because I didn't know where the hell I was going. Mm. But yeah, this is what I enjoy about the community that you know the Gong is you know creates. Mm. Mm. Where would you like to take this over the next several years? Do you have any aspirations? I, I've been asked recently to help facilitate some uh, some form of training in England, which I'm very encouraged to do. So uh, this is something that's going to happen this year to go to England and join in with somebody else and facilitate some kind of training, bring in my own my own interest of you know awareness, you know how we approach perhaps rather than just techniques. So mm. I'm slowly writing a little book about. Uh, which is called the Gong and I. So and it's I, the yeah. Gong and High, and it's relative to how you know that that relational aspect, how it affects our Gong place. So I want to sort of bring that into the Gong world because it's not really covered. Yeah. It's more about technique. Yeah, and what you do with the yes, mallet. rather than the relationship between yourself and <clears> the <throat> instrument, which I consider you know important. Uh, so I want to be able to bring myself out into the world more and offer, you know, what I would say I, I appreciate and offer it people that they, they can experience it, take it, leave it, get a taste of it. But I'd still like to be able to share myself and be known, you know, as Paul. Yes. And this is what Paul, you know, enjoys. Yes. Yeah, I'd like to share what I know because, you know, we all have something to share rather than just keep it in, you know, the occasional Facebook quote or you know, yeah. on Instagram, you know, it's, I, I want to get out into the world and experience the world as you know, I do. Mm. 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 Uh, I was a late starter to travel, so yeah, I still have a hell of a lot of places to go and travel. Mm. Mm. And this opens the door to that. It does, because I now know people pretty much in every country in the world that I can go to and experience them and their gongs. Mm. Yeah, whereas before, you know, it was like, oh, I'm going to go to this country, but I don't know anybody. Mm. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. It's sort of, it's encouraging for me to, to actually step out of my safety zone, my comfort, and go and experience something different, yeah, different mm. people. Other than playing gongs, what else do you do to keep yourself grounded? I do meditate. I, I, not as much as I used to, but you know, to, to remain grounded, I find I have to be physical. Mm. Now, I recently retired from mechanical work as a mechanic. Now, the mechanical work really grounded me. I had a sense of, okay, I, I've, mm. I know where I am. Yeah. I, feel, I feel rock solid. Since retiring from mechanical work, I've experienced myself as a little bit aloof at times so I said okay you need to do something to ground into you know your day to make sure I get shit done <laughs> not forget about it yeah uh, so working making my mallets is just enough yes working with people and in, in the talk therapy and the expressive therapy you know as the counselor that's assisting also that, that really is empowering for me to actually sit with people and talk and then I can go out into the world and play gong. Yes. And remain, you know, pretty grounded because playing gong is, you know, it affects people in different ways. And some people yeah. end up feeling like they're up there with the angels. Uh, 
and as a gong player it's important to have some kind of groundedness about you yeah so you can remain objective and you know have that sense of duty of care hmm. uh, but yeah I, I I practice meditation so I'm involved myself in different aspects of work uh, and I like to go out in the bush and walk hmm. yeah that really helpful hmm. mm. making contact with the ground beneath my feet okay I'm part of this world yes mm. Um, one of the questions I ask all my guests mm -hmm. towards the end of an interview, um, usually it's the last question, but it won't be with you today because I'm going to ask you to <laughs> do some stuff with the gong before we finish it. Um, but it's, it's a hypothetical question, but it's an enjoyable one. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is, if you could take one little knowledge of, a uh, little nugget of knowledge and mm -hmm. upload it into the collective consciousness yes. so we all just get mm -hmm. it. What would that be? It would be value yourself, value myself, value yourself more. Because I notice this uh, under uh, a trend of undervaluing ourselves. And that comes from a place of perhaps not believing we're worthy of that value. And it's something I've practiced with recently even with my business, you know, mm. putting the price of something to where I believe I'm really worthy of that. But there's also that contradictive people don't want to pay that. And then I've been proven, I've been proven, you know, wrong, but people are actually paying this. So valuing yourself and applying mm. that value to you and believe it's, it can be difficult to believe that you're worth, you know, more than you are. But that's something I would like to if I could upload that, put it up there, yep. here's this capacity, there's this program that's going to assist you to, you know, acknowledge that you're worthy of what you want to do or who you want to be with or what you want to achieve and be able to achieve that rather than sit there and think, you know, I'm not good enough. Mm. Yeah. And that comes from my own story, my own, you know, my own narrative, which I am actually working on, you know, I'd say actually I am working on. Uh, and it's something that affected me in the past. Uh, but that's something, yeah, I would share with people, you know, if it was an option to click on and, mm, yeah. Just being there. Yeah. So if people want to find you, Paul, yeah. whereabouts can they find you? I have, ooh, I have websites. So I have a website called Gong Walkabout, which is G-O-N-G-W-A-L-K-A-B. O-U-T, so gongwalkabout.com.au. So there's a website there. You mm. can explore about me, the gongs. If you have an interest in buying one, you can read there. Uh, you can link there to my Mallet website. Uh, but I also have a, a website for my counselling service, the psychotherapy. So that's Paul Ford Counselling Services, Perth. Mm. Uh, so people can find me there. I'm on Facebook. Yep. Gong Walkabout, Gong Mallets Australia. Uh, my my counselling services on there as well. Paul for counselling. You could always ring me. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my numbers on the websites. Yeah. Uh, all the information's on there. Uh, if you put gongs in Perth on Google, I'm pretty much at the top, so I'm easy to find. Yep. Uh, so I'm there. Mm. I have mm. an Instagram for my mallets. <laughs> I thought all I'd the, better follow the trend. All the all the platforms. All, all the hot models are on there. All the hot mallets. Yeah, yeah, and and it's working. You know, I 
sort of treat them as models and I photo them and put them up there and the interest comes in it is a phenomenon this Instagram yeah. thing you know I can I, I get why the, all these people are putting themselves out there on here yeah but for the mallets it's working as well wow yeah so yeah if people want to find me check my website go and walk about yeah mm. that's where you'll find me and my gongs Facebook yeah mm. well, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you today I've enjoyed sitting here with you Yes. It's been, um, it's been fantastic. It's been very calming. It is, isn't it? This space between us is really comfortable for me. I'm not sure it is for you, but I, no, I see you very and you calm. look comfortable. Uh, you've done this before. Yeah. I mm. haven't, but you know, we've got this far and I'm still sitting here thinking, you know, I could talk more. <laughs> yeah. Well, what would you talk about? <laughs> <laughs> Ask me some more questions. <laughs> that was the question. Yeah, but um, no, I've done this numerous times now. Yeah. But I find that um, the space that's created, mm. the energy that's created, is a function of both people, mm. and it's been incredibly calm. Yeah, you're very encouraging, actually, and supportive in the way. Yeah, I experience you. Mm, thank mm. you, thank you, Bryn. So the last thing I will ask you to do is if you give us a bit of a bit of gong. I can, yeah, I can play this gong for you. Well, Indeed. It's a small one, so there's not a lot there really, but it's uh yeah, let's see what goes off here. So yeah, this is the moon gong. It's a Paiste moon gong. It sits around A, uh, but you'll hear it. Thank you very much, Paul. Thank you, Brian. It's a pleasure.